Welcome back to the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. Um, this week, uh, we head off in a yet another direction in this beautiful hobby of ours. Here to help steer is a comics fan, podcaster, comics editor. He's also top in English. It's uh, the book club's own Eamon Clark. Hey, doing, man? Hello, Clouds. Hello, Sky. And indeed, hello to my great friend, Tony Esmond. <laughs> Mate. Yeah. Good. This, is, uh, this has been a, a fucking joyous couple of weeks. I don't think we've ever shared so much on the whatsapp about an upcoming episode than this i think i'm gonna say um do you think so? it's great when the um it's great when we find one that sets us off on these little research rabbit holes and watching documentaries and reading books and yeah. uh, looking into a subject that perhaps we didn't know a lot about to start with and we know a little bit more about now yeah it's been fascinating I yeah. see it as that divide between us in reading and enjoying things, which we both have in this case, which we'll tell you about in a second, um, but then looking behind the curtain as well, which is what we tend to do here, don't we? You know, which I like. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. In, in general terms, how have you been, man? You did share with me the proof. You've got a proof now, haven't you? you is that okay I've got a f- I have a physical proof in my hand of DUI 3, the uh, anthology comic from uh, the ACP and the um, Drink and Draw community. And so it's been a bit... You know, there's been delays on this project, but no. it will be hopefully up on the shop and shipping the first week of October. I think that's marvellous, man. I don't see any problem. All the proceeds. Yeah. That's oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And all the proceeds go to Mind this time, the mental health charity. Great stuff, mate. Love love Mind. Really good people. Yeah. I've got a Mind calendar in my office. Yeah. Nice people. Very good. Good stuff. So very excited about that. You've just done um, uh, a Conrad episode, haven't you, where you've been to the movies? No, I haven't seen one of them, so I haven't listened to it all. Um, right. Yeah, but you saw Blue Beetle and The Flash, is that right? We saw Blue Beetle and The Flash, and we did that on Mega City Book Club or the Mega City Film Club episodes, yeah. as we call them at Conrad. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the interesting thing about that is that we're now getting all these listener suggestions of films that have got a sort of connection to 2000 AD and British comics. Ah, okay. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to those even more, to doing some of those coming up. Going back to um, some older films, maybe? Or... Older films, yeah. yeah. So we had Alex Frith on, who chose um, Hell Drivers, which is the Stanley Bacon movie that yeah. might have done Bill Savage. Yeah. And we also did Damnation Alley. And um, I'll just hint that we may be talking about a certain robot police officer shortly. Oh, as well. okay. Yeah. I know someone would be very jealous if they're not on it with you. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> One of your co-hosts. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. he'll definitely be listening, as will I be. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. What about sort of comic-wise? What have you got coming up? Uh, that's a good question. What coming up on the Mega City Book Club? Yeah. Well, out tomorrow we've got an episode about action. Oh, the um, Pat a... Mills comic from the nineteen seventies that caused all the trouble. There's a tie into that in what we're going to be talking about in a minute as well, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yes. Ah. And then two weeks tomorrow, I've got an episode with yourself, Tony. Oh Esmond, yeah. Talking about the Light and Darkness War from Tom Veach and talking about some Cam Kennedy. We went full hippie on that, didn't we? We became yeah, hippies we did. for the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was great we stuff, did. man. Marvellous. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be out in two weeks on the Mega City Book Club. Uh, action comic tomorrow, Brilliant. Light and Darkness War. We've got some Tammy coming up. Oh, nice. Some, one of Pat Mills' has got Requiem Vampire Nights coming oh, up as good. well. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. The art on that, man, blows me away. It's, it's astonishing, incredible. yeah. Yeah. Yes. And sells so well in France. You wouldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. Out there. 
Yeah, it's the great. Pat Mills pension fund. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Some, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he might be spending it on some red wine with me in the new year. Totally. Yeah, good. Um, good. So now you've suggested this. Um, I suppose a couple of months ago. We, but we have been, um, we've been raiding garages and eBay to look at stuff for this, haven't we? Um, we have. There, yeah. And there's a little link into our buddy Simon Russell, who's um, who refers to this chap as his god. Uh, he says he's sober. He loves him. And I can see why. Um, so who have you chosen for us to talk about? So today, Tony, we are going to be talking about one of the giants of British cartooning, let's say, rather yeah. than comic books. We're going to be talking about Ronald Searle. And we're going to use as our jumping off point, we're going to use uh, the book Downwich School, <laughs> a Nigel Molesworth book from 1953, written by Geoffrey Willans, but obviously illustrated by Searle himself. Yeah. Uh, and I've named this uh, the, the the Zoom call we're on with down with podcasts and purposely spelt it wrong as well, which did amuse Absolutely, me for about yeah. five minutes this morning. Good. Um, he's he is a man <clears throat> who just does. I mean, saying he's fascinating doesn't do this geezer justice, does it? It really it really doesn't. And 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 very perhaps a little bit more. We'll get into it, but a little bit more multifaceted than you might imagine if you've just been exposed to maybe some Trinians or. Or down with school, or something like that. And again, I know it's something we've talked about before, Eamon. He is the creator who, like many, is better known in France and Germany than he is here, in a way. You know. Well, yes. I mean, there's a there's a Pat Mills parallel. Yeah. Um, because, and it also, to me, it sort of ties back to an earlier podcast we did. Because, like Robert Crumb. Ronald Searle, at some point in his career, sort of self-exiled himself to France and spent the rest of his life living in and working in France, where he was, it seems, you know, sad to say this, but he was much more appreciated as an artist than he was here, perhaps, um, in the British Isles, sadly. Yeah. Um, I mean, why is he a we knight? Might... He should be a knight or something. Yeah, he, he should have been. Yeah, it's just unbelievable yeah. to me that he isn't. When you look at some yeah. of the bloody doofuses who are, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, maybe didn't donate enough. Who knows? Because, and um... as you say, multifaceted. Because if you look at some of the books about his artwork, um, he could, you know, as apart from those scratchy, inky drawings of um, terrible, terrible school children in the 50s, but he could do it all, it seems, yeah. you know. Yeah, some of the images that you and I have been swapping on WhatsApp. Oh. Just gorgeous stuff, Amazing. but in all yeah. forms, you know, in all media, he's just wonderful. Yeah. So let's let's quote. So I I've been we've been we've been off down rabbit holes around this one. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, as Simon actually did as well. We, we, we'll probably chat about that later. But but um, I put something up the uh, a mention of the fact that we were doing this podcast today on on the, the the site. And Pat said, "I'm a huge fan of Ronald Searle. As a kid, he was an icon of rebellion. Not just the Rakes Progress St. Trinians, but down with school." with immortal scenes of the sinister Gabitas and Thring capturing a young man and turning him into a teacher. Um, so there's there's that sense of childhood rebellion that Pat got through comics and illustration and books. Um, now, that may, that may, you know, travel over to action and 2018 away, I suppose, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can see some of this. And in fact, last time you and I were talking about Dave Gibbons and Pat Mills working together on Doctor yeah. Who comics, and I opened up Dave Gibbons' Confabulations, and there is, I believe, it's M for Molesworth comes oh, uh, just right. before, uh, you know, M for Alan Moore. So he, Dave Gibbons the same had the same 
um, inspiration from the Nigel Molesworth books that Pat Mills wrote to you about. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. I mean, when what was your first exposure to it? So I reckon we were talking beforehand. There was some they were put out in paperbacks. The Nigel Molesworth books were put out in paperbacks in the 1970s with very recognisable covers. And we all had them. I think everybody, you know, everybody who went to school at that time in the 70s or 80s had to have a copies of them. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Nigel Molesworth is the <laughs> the terror of St. Custard. St. Custard's yeah, is a... the best name for a school as well, isn't it? St. Custard's, a seventh-rate um, boarding <laughs> school... Uh, in the 1950s, he is the, the, the gorilla of 3B, Nigel Molesworth, yeah. who writes these um, books about school life with his terrible spelling, which is a feature of them, and yeah. his, you know, this wonderful, humorous look at a very strange part of British life, you know, the public school, the private, the boarding school, um, in this case, a very sort of like run down at heel one. Yeah. And uh, the interactions or the sort of like combative nature between him and his classmates and the teachers in particular, the teachers who he all, he loathes, you know, with a passion. Yeah. And they are just, they're just hilarious. That's the, you know, they're hilarious books and they are all illustrated um, in black and white ink by Ronald Searle and Again, I know I keep doing this, but I keep tying it back to earlier podcasts we do. Mm. When we talked about Calvin and Hobbes and Bill Waterson yeah. and how Bill Waterson just drew funny. You know, when he drew <laughs> yeah. something, it was funny to look at. And Ronald Searle, of course, a master at that. His illustrations are just hilarious. Yeah, I know there's people that go on about the, the picture of the school dog in Downward <laughs> School as yeah. being like one of the classics of comic illustration. Um, so yeah, um, I read them in the seventies, I think, in those paperbacks. Yeah, I think I'm going to be I'm going to be around the same time as well. The um, I remember there was always one on the shelf at my my family house, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And it's it's a weird one because I um, I think my father bought them. My father sort of liked it. I mean, they were slightly frowned upon because they were spelt purposely so badly, you know. Yeah. Um, but I remember um, I went off to boarding school, late seventies, early eighties. And I knew about boarding school for two reasons. Um, um, if the movie If, which was just a frightening horror horror story of a boarding school, and um, these books. And when I went off to boarding school, you realise how much um, Willens and Searle had got right about yeah. it. So that I was looking, I was leafing through the complete Molesworth this morning um, and texting you mostly over a coffee. And there's these these pages that are caricatures of masters at school. And, you know, there's the one who likes to be liked, the one who just, you know, this one who wants to go off and work for the foreign service, you know, and he's, but even in the 80s, he, he got it spot on um, yeah. in relation to those masters from school. Yeah, it, it really was something I sort of shared with my dad. And, and I hate to say it, but it almost, there was almost this sort of romanticism, as we had in a lot of our fiction back then, romanticism with boarding school, didn't we, in boys and girls books, I think. Um, it was the sort of grand adventure. Someone would always be a detective or something, wouldn't they? You know, um, it was, they were school. the boarding school stories, both in comic books and in you know book books, was a big theme, wasn't it? You know, yeah, boarding massive. school adventures, and as you say, the detective story um, or the adventures, Jennings. I remember those Jennings novels, <laughs> yeah. of course. 
there was Mallory Towers for you know yeah which is um we've got uh, an interview with someone who refers to that as his main influence to making comics on the ACP on Monday so listen to that right one. bizarre there you go. just strangely out of the blue Mallory Towers has been mentioned coincidentally twice in the last two interviews we've done it's amazing but yeah I mean and there's I mean something I mean you and I chat humorously occasionally about um Will Hay but we had yes. we had stuff like oh Mr was what's the Will Hay teacher one there's there's one where he's a school teacher which would yes. fit immediately into this um yeah charles hawtrey plays one of the kids who looks like a character from these books you know but they also at the time you had stuff like the ealing comedies and a lot of that just pre-war post-war stuff going on that would have fitted exactly into this um it's only a shame that willens died quite early didn't he that it, they we didn't get any more because i think we got three well, he was alive on one after he died, I think, didn't we? Yeah, he was. Um, he died in 1958. He was only 47. Yeah. And he'd had, you know, because we know, we talk about Willens briefly, he'd had a on-off career as a, a teacher at schools, which is probably where he got a lot of this from. Yeah. He wrote comic novels. He was in the Navy during World War II. But, yeah, he had five years or so of success with the Molesworth books, and then he passed away of a heart yeah. attack at 47. Yeah, like blokes used to do. Yeah, it was all that Sadly, smoking and yeah. drinking, lighting bits yeah. and stuff back then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let that be a warning to everyone. But the, he was also, interestingly, a school kid at the same school he became a master at. Um, right. Which I think there's definitive parallels. And I think his life translated into fiction, I think, on occasions in this book. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he served in the Second World War on um, HMS Peony and HMS Formidable. Um, he wrote, he also wrote a George Cole movie called The Bridal Path, um, which was, you you were pointing out earlier leads back into um, the St Trinian stuff, which we'll talk about soon in a minute. Um, and he also wrote wrote a book on um, Peter Ustinov. Oh right, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the world of British movies was a real hobby back then. You know, a lot of the the you know the picture magazines and the film magazines were about the time. It was a big thing, I think, for publishing and the British economy and the British people and stuff. And there's a great quote I found of him which says, "History started badly and has been getting steadily worse," <laughs> which is just typical of this dude. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, now we're going to move on to the life of um, Surly in a second, but let's just stick with Molesworth for a minute. Um, Nigel Molesworth, the Gorilla of Three B. Um, there's the, there's a lot to it. So in these four books, we get um, immaturely spelt prose purposely, which it's it's like reading a Burgess novel sometimes, isn't it? It, it takes you a while to get all is you know it's like reading Train Spotting or something. It takes you a while to get yes. your head around it, doesn't it? You know, it does. Yeah, you need to get you need to get familiar with the sort of like the spellings and the language and it almost helps to just read it out loud in a way. <laughs> yeah, um, does, yeah. But yeah, it's one of those novels where you have a slight language to learn when you get in there. Yeah. And of course the language of a boarding school of, you know, yeah. this decidedly uh, down on its luck boarding school. Yeah. And this was a yeah. time of canings and slipperings and, you know, no, yeah. you know, just feral children running around, you know, it really was. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's this bizarre thing that I came across this morning, which is this Harry Potter connection. Now, there's a reference in, um, I think it's Down With School, um, where uh, uh, Molesworth is writing a fictitious play um, that's called Hogwarts. Um, yeah, now this, that's right. So it got, got me thinking, I've, I'm, I'm not a Harry 
pot fan. I've not read the books or seen the movies or anything, but I'm aware that Hogwarts is is it the name of the school he goes to, isn't it? Yes, right? that's the Harry Potter school is Hogwarts. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, if you read into the term Hogwarts, um, I think J.K. Rowling has told people she got it from seeing a, a plant or a flower at Kew Gardens or something. But there's so many when you when you start thinking about it, there's so many parallels between. Even even looks like a fat version of Harry, doesn't he? A little bit. Yes, he yeah. does. Like, like a messy Walter, version. Yeah. yeah, messy version of Harry. Um, yeah. There's. It's a weird coincidence, which I'm going to call it that because I don't want any anyone to sue us. But there's a weird coincidence there somewhere, I suspect. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. Well, I mean, you know, what can we say politely is that we know that J.K. Rowling's read a lot of stuff. She took influences from a lot of stuff, you know. We yeah. all do, so you of know. course, yeah. yeah. She may have read the Molesworth books at some point, um, yeah, possibly, and maybe a word stuck with her. And certainly, some of the images of the the, the schoolboys, yeah. get you know, with their bags and getting on, you know, back to class and getting ready to be sort of shipped off back to school, yeah, sort of remind you of some of the uh, the opening scenes of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Right, okay, that's interesting, yeah. <clears throat> and from what I've seen in the clips, I've seen all the, all the teachers are these sort of strange caricaturish characters as well, you know, similar, yes, to, they similar are. to the way the Marvel yeah. characters are. Yeah, I have and they to say, all wear gowns like, you know, school yeah. teachers used to do. Yeah. yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. I have to say there's there's one page in, if you've got the, um, the complete Molesworth um, I think it's page 110. There's a a moment where um, they're all all the all the people are, are coming back from what we used to call Exiat, which was every third weekend you'd get a, a weekend at home um, if your parents were in the country, um, and all the kids would disappear off. And us who didn't get home for Exiat because our parents were in the forces or anything, um, were stuck at school with like the eight kids and one one brother to look after us. But when everyone sort of poured back into school after Exiat, that was what it looked like. You know, carrying yeah. trunks, you know, different shaped parents, you know, in different shaped cars, kissing their kids or not kissing their kids or, you know, this yeah. sort of thing. It's, it's, it's a real, it really brought it back for me. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. So well done. Um, yeah. It's one of those illustrations where you look at it and you just keep seeing bits going yeah. on, you know, that Searle has put in the background, more details and all in his wonderful, you know, black inky style yeah so good we're going to get onto a little quote that you and i both wrote down about our yeah. favorite quote about his, his his line art now let's talk a little bit about ronald william fordham Searle, born in cambridge 1920 um died in 2011 aged 91 they 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 survived these cartoonists it's lovely to see some you need to look at the mad guys you know some of them made it almost to 100 um yeah absolutely. left-handed interestingly which became lucky for him later on when someone decided to crush his other hand. Um, not born from an artistic family, anything born to reasonably humble beginnings in Cambridge, and he was de described as a townie. There's a great documentary by Martin Rosen, which you can find. I think it's done for the BBC. You can find it on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, BBC Four documentary, yeah. Yeah, and and Rosen's great. He's, I know he's a big fan. I met Rosen at a convention in America once, and he brought with him um, a, a Ronald Searle um, ink pen that we all held and had pictures with. Um, I've sent I've sent you a picture of an eye of you sent me a yeah, picture, just, yeah, just brilliant. Yeah, he, he loved him. So, um, so and he 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 was a massive art fan and and did have stuff published before the war. Very briefly, in, a, in he was the only non-student to get published at the time in the Cambridge University. Um, it was like a magazine, I guess, or something like that. Granter, the magazine. That's yeah, it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and after an issue, he, he signed up for the Royal Engineers and went fighting in Malaya. Um, but he'd actually submitted to the magazine Lilliput, which is was an establishment magazine. You know, it'd been about for, for it was about for decades. Um, and the story goes. Now, I'm not sure about this story. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure whether it's true, but it's, it certainly sounds lovely. Whereas he's as he stepped foot into a battle. In, I think it was in Singapore, he looked at his feet and there was an open copy of Lilliput showing him that he'd finally made it and there was one of his cartoons in there. Um, it sounds a little bit too ideal to be true. But it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read a couple of versions of it that he right. probably first knew that his cartoon, the first reference to St. Trinian's, had been published in his magazine Lilliput. He probably found out when he was in singapore and whether it was like as you say just on the floor when he was sort of being sent into action or whether he saw it on a newsstand or everything slightly yeah. different versions but he found out basically yeah when he was in military service that it, he'd actually been published yeah which is marvelous which is great and yeah he i, I ordered some we'll talk about lily put in a bit but i ordered i managed to get four copies of a lily put from um, ebay for a tenner um with free shipping and just took a punt on them one from the 1940s and, and three from the 1950s and um i thought he was only in three of them but i looked this morning and i found a couple of illustrations he's in all of them oh um, great he's, he's even in on in the back of one of them in a in, an, in a, a really lovely colored ad, advert for have a good rum for your money lemon heart rum and he's drawn a picture of a cat drinking rum <laughs> which is just marvelous yeah now i'm going to say that his um tragic heroic story of the war is one of the things that prompted you to suggest we talk about it is that right uh i i i, I wanted to just talk about how hilarious i found nigel Molesworth and the <laughs> illustrations yeah and i would say it was actually that looking into his history was when i found out about his wartime experiences okay. and it made everything just more fascinating um also deeply disturbing you yeah, know a yeah. very you know very very upsetting stuff and uh, that we're about to get into a strange parallel to when we talked about shigeru was Mizuki. it mizuki's yeah. yeah who was probably onwards. on the other side of some of these battles i'm guessing yeah. exactly on the yeah. other side onwards towards our onwards to our noble deaths yeah um because we're going to be talking about you know as you say the sort of pacific war as it were and in particular the prisoner of war experience of british yeah. soldiers did you want to mention what happened to him, man? And it, did you want to say what you know, just briefly, an overview of what actually happened to him in the war? Then, well, as I as I understand it, he was sort of posted to Singapore and was not there all that long before yeah. the the surrender at Singapore, that Britain surrendered um, to the Japanese, and of course, all the British forces there were then prisoners of war. Yeah, and he was. I mean, he was in at least a couple of prisons, but he was sent specifically on a terrible death journey to work on the infamous Burma Railway, yeah. the bridge on the River Kwai stuff. He was yeah. sent to that sort of experience. He worked on the those, those the death railway, as it was known. Um, he had the most awful, horrendous time. God, it haunts he, you, isn't it? Just hearing about it, it haunts you, man, you know. I know it's awful, you know, the death and the disease and the suffering of British soldiers. The fact that he wrote about how he would wake up in the morning 
and his friends on either side yeah. of him in the bunks on either side of him would be dead. Yeah, I was about and to say that exactly was, that, man. That's the one that got yeah. me. I think that really got me. That choked me up listening to that, him talk about that. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then, utterly remarkably, he still managed somehow with, I don't know, pencils, scraps of paper. Scavenged, he still managed yeah. to draw. There's this, there's this fascinating note that all the British... Uh, troops were required to sign a an agreement that said they would not attempt to escape. So they got the yeah. Japanese got everybody to sign these slips of paper. Yeah, and somehow or other, somebody managed, you know, who obviously had access to the office, stole a whole bunch of these slips. So Ronald Searle's actual signature on this, you know, non-escape agreement still survives and of course he drew on it he drew two japanese soldiers on it because yeah. it was a piece of paper yeah and yeah. paper was such a, a scant resource you know nobody had any paper then and and he was he was hiding his drawings under bunks <coughs> and everything if, if he'd been discovered it would have been you know even worse for him yeah it's just there's it, a, you it, know there's a haunting picture of him isn't there he draws himself um, yes. still recognizable very thin and gaunt and you know um, but with glasses and, and, and stubble. And um, I saw an interview with someone, I think it might have been the Channel 4 one, for the, which coincided with the exhibition at the Cartoon Museum, um, that someone said to him, Where the, where's, why is the bit at the bottom and torn off? And he says, oh, I smoked that bit. <laughs> like, yeah. The reality, I mean, he, he was 40 kilos at one point. I mean, I've had dogs that weigh more than that, you know. And he... He caught malaria. He caught all kinds of things. And there's a in that uh, Rouseon documentary. There's a couple of people who he he was in this prisoner war camp with, and they said we he looked like he died. We thought a couple of times he died, and we we laid him outside in the sun in the hope that the sun would help to dry him out and make him feel better. And you know, and and he did survive. But no, I'm going to say only just man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was pretty close towards the end. Uh, he was extremely ill. And yet, at the same time, he still had this, just like, you know, urge to keep drawing. Yeah. And some of the illustrations that have survived, that are in the books that you and I have been sharing, yeah. you know, the body the body draped over the, yeah. the barbed wire is just, it's terrible. It's just, yeah. you know, it's haunting to see this stuff. And as you say, depicting himself and his fellow prisoners as Gaunt, emaciated, yeah. disease-ridden. It's you know, oh, it's yeah. It, it's, it was astonishing to me reading these sections of the books. Yeah, and he's not a knight. No. Yeah, it, no, he's never. You know, the, the who I think Martin Rosen it says widely accepted as Britain's finest cartoonist. Never had anything. I maybe didn't want them, but yeah. you know what I mean. But he he has had like you say he's had honours in France. But the the thing is, he said. I went into war as a student and I came out an artist. So amongst all that, he was learning to observe and to draw, I suppose is the way to put it. I don't want to say he was learning his art, but he was learning to observe and to draw at that point, I suppose, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, and was it during this time that they, they, they tried, they threatened to destroy his right hand or try? Yeah, I think didn't they, right he did. Yeah, that's right. I didn't, I think he may have even had it slightly crushed or something. I believe, I believe I read in one account. Um, but, but of course he was fine because he drew with his left hand and he's lucky. He says, because the art school he went to was for the times reasonably progressive. And the fact that they didn't, because often they would bind 
your left hand if you drew with it and make you learn with your right hand uh, yeah. some of these schools um even hand drawing i think was the same at some boarding schools um and but he they he was lucky in that they hadn't and he continued to to the day died to draw with his his left hand which is great um yeah, so like you say, he was, he was in he was he was working on the railway, and they and I think the the story goes that every every um, piece of wood in that um, that railway represents the life of a, a British soldier, which is you know yeah horrible. But and then he was at Changi Prison as well, and when at the end of the war he never made it back to fight in the war, but at the end of the war he was liberated and eventually made it home. Um, and there's this wonderful account about him. In the in the Rousen documentary about him almost having to relearn his life, you know, when he came back, he he travelled, and and I think this could be put down to the fact that the reason he did travel a lot in his life um, was the fact that he was confined for so long. But he came out and um, and did this, you know, we've we've got all this marvelous reportage that he does around the world. Um, yeah, like, I mean, if that if that was it, if that was all we were going to talk about, that would be the most important thing you and I have probably talked about this year, but. <laughs> it's not though is it he continues on he becomes greater even um than yeah think, um, you know if we had his wartime drawings and then we had saint trinian's and molesworth yes. and he stopped it would still be astonishing but actually what he went on to after the school stuff um that he himself you know never thought of it as his best work the stuff he went on to and as you say his urge to travel around the world to report around the world to bring back drawings and bits of artwork that he did of what he saw around the world, his his devotion to the refugee problem after World War Two, yeah, um, which became a project that he did. I know with Punch, and it was then published as a, a book, yeah, where because again, you know, we read about this stuff. Forty million people in Europe were displaced yeah. after the war. And still, like, 15 years after World War II, Europe was still dealing with this refugee crisis. Yeah. And Searle reported on it and came back with these wonderful drawings um, in which the characters that he draws... I'm looking at one page now in the book where um, I know we're going to talk about his, like, his thick inking <clears throat> of, of figures, yeah. but in these, what, these figures are almost like ghosts haunting the scenery... Yeah, and you can see the lines of the bunk, the dormitory behind them. Um, yeah, yeah. Everything, it's absolutely amazing. Everything he does, every person he draws is an individual from the others, which I think I admire as well. You yeah, know, there's, there's a personality to every single person, which you know is very important when doing that sort of reportage reporting. I think you know, um, I think it's probably worth now because we didn't give it a shout at the time, but you very kindly sent me Ronald Searle Graphic Master, which is the book I believe that was produced in 2010 for the comic. Um, cartoon museum exhibition um designed and typeset by russell by simon russell because i posted it on our slack saying oh thanks simon for sending me this book it's marvelous and uh, simon said oh i helped in that and he did it's brilliant yeah it's it's probably my favorite piece of art from Searle is in that book which we might talk to in a bit um but let's just, just so that 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 was the 2010 cartoon museum exit exhibition or retrospective of Searle. There's a book, catalogue book, Steve, uh, is it Steve Bell? There's the introduction for it, I think. Yes, it is, yeah. yeah. There's a, um, and in the back, there's a lot of, um, there's there's a number of artists who take an homage, so Ralph Steadman, uh, Roger Law, there's um, Mike Lee even. There's a, there's a lot right. at the back, actually. Um, I have to say, Bell is surprisingly normal when you see him talk. I don't know why I thought he was going to be this crazy person, because I do like his, his cartooning, but um, 
yeah, surprisingly normal, which is nice. Um, yeah, so let's... And then, go on, mate, sorry, go on. and then Simon Russell, you know, on the Slack, of the ACP, of this parish, yeah. uh, uh, great friend, if we quote Nigel Molesworth, uh, <laughs> he basically produced that book or did an awful lot of the graphic design and, and, yeah. uh, for that book. And it's wonderful. And I picked it up on eBay and passed it on to you. So, yeah, yeah. Man, it's great. Well done, Simon. Real quality book as well. He's got that sort of heavy yeah. heavy paper on it and everything. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, my favourite piece of art in that is, is, is just... Right. I was educating some American friends on an American Slack about it the other day on the EOC. Slack going, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Lilliput magazine because it's important in his um, formation, really, because he he, um, he sent cartoons to them before um, before he went to Eight to War, and he and he was a stable of that that magazine for many years, and also weirdly he married into it because Kay Webb, who was the art um, editor over at Lilliput magazine, um, he ended up marrying her. She was his first wife. Um, it was founded in 1937. He first, he published his first Centrinians cartoon in 1941 with them. Um, British Monthly, short stories, celebrities, articles, quite a few gag cartoons, quite a few um, subtle nudities. It's <laughs> a lot. Of, each issue seems to have something like um, uh, where to go sunbathing or, yes. you know, um, this is what um, women look like, who the statues of them are and stuff. It's just the Marilyn Monroe nudes are in an issue I own and stuff like that. So it's, it's, as I said, available very cheaply. I bought four issues off eBay for only a tenner. Contributors include some great people. Nancy Nutford, um, who was a novelist for Love in a Cold Climate. H.E. Bates, uh, best known for Darling Buds of May. Um, believe it or not, Alistair Crowley. Um, oh, oh my God. It's right, in okay. it. Yeah. Write what you want, which should be the, le- should be the least of 800 words or less. Um, C.S. Forrester, who did... I'm a big fan of the Hornblower novels. Another another thing that I shared with my father growing up was the um, midshipman Hornblower and onwards. Um, um, Max, uh, who was a parodist, a.k.a. Henry Maximilian Beerbohm. Um, the covers... There's 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 an issue with um, looking back from our modern times on some of the humour used, um, and I think I posted one in a recent um, article on the site, um, but I did apologise for posting it. But I think for historical accuracy and, and the, an issue we were talking about, it was important for people to see the cover for it. But there's mm. there's there's a post-war lack of sensitivity and sensibilities, I suppose. Yes, um, yeah. going on, um, which we 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 encounter similar things throughout comics history don't we I mean, we discussed it recently on Tezuka with me and me and Tom but there's there's that going on um yeah it had it had like i say it had a reputation for posting some risque photographs um very much kind of in in competition with punch although there were a lot of these sort of magazines about some great short stories that so not all the gags and not all the stuff done by um Serling there is is one page single page gags he would illustrate stories as well there's a couple of nice crime stories in there um which he's illustrated like ruffians in a pub and bare knuckle boxers and stuff like that it's quite something to be seen um it ran until um 1960 which was then in the grand tradition of british comics it was hatched matched and dispatched into men only believe it or not um <laughs> which uh that would have been a well, surprise not... to the news agent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 But uh, I think a it was the magazine then. Yeah. It certainly became that way, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Or Hunt Emerson, actually. We, me and Simon were talking about this on the Slack the other, on the um, Drink and Draw the other day. Hunt Emerson regularly appeared in Fiesta magazine. You know, there's that big crossover with British cartoonists and uh, and pornographic magazines, if we want to call them that. Or they're, they're innocent, yes. more innocent times, Simon. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh... Yes. <laughs> 
um did you do you have any um particular you know if you were going to pick up a book by him is there any is there any sort of area that you would go for in particular i mean i've, I've just ordered I'm, I'm kicking myself that it hasn't arrived but he did a book on london in the um, 50s and early 60s uh, the streets of london and characters in the street and stuff like that and i am absolutely jonesing for that to arrive i can't wait i think that's where i sort of my my love for his work sits i think what about you well i i'm i'm very taken with the idea of post-war britain and post-war europe and the incredible upheavals that were going on uh i'm sort of taken with the idea of tracking down his refugees book actually okay um and looking at that just because i find that period of time at the moment i'm I'm quite interested in that yeah and looking at the illustrations in this because i've got the biography by russell davis and looking at the illustrations that he did on some of his european and world tours um i'm quite interested in those um at the moment yeah i get you there's obviously the um the Eichmann. So, for those that don't know, post-war he became a court cartoonist, as they were. Um, we used to see we see it all the time, didn't we? It always used to be on the news, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, you don't see it quite as much now, but he was a court cartoonist for Eichmann's trial of all people, um, Adolf Eichmann, which is the, the the infamous trial where he kept saying, "All I did was follow orders." Yeah. Um, throughout the trial, and that's um, that's quite interesting. It's to see him drawing so seriously. But to have that touch of cartooning about it, you know, it's 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 a strange yeah. one. Um, and, and there's some of his old Bailey cartoons in here as well. Oh right, that okay. he did, yeah. And I I know I spoke to you because my son is a barrister, and yeah. he says that just about every barrister he knows has got a copy of the Nigel Molesworth picture of him <laughs> yeah. appearing as a barrister. Yeah. Um, at, but yeah, but yeah, said so, yes, absolutely fascinating the Eichmann trial and. Uh, or cartoonist as it were yeah 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 we haven't mentioned St Trinian's I think we perhaps should St Trinian's became something of a um um a, a weight around his neck I think didn't he, he got a bit sick of it didn't he bomb he did, say yes. he bombed it or something at one point is that right yeah yeah he basically he killed off the school in a book um what was it called souls in torment in 1953 <laughs> um so he comes back after the war. He get he gets this successful run of Saint Trinian's cartoons in Lilliput. Yeah, they get collected in books. They get turned into films. Yeah, we didn't realize there's um, been seven movies made of uh, seven Saint Trinian's, movies. two modern age ones, and five from way back then. And they had the the people in them, didn't they? All the big characters of the time were in those movies. Yeah, absolutely. All the big British actors. Um, the country went for a period of time, went in a rather bonkers post-war state, went a bit St. Trinian's mad. It became yeah. a real thing. Um, you know, we'd almost say it was like a flash mob thing with people turning up dressed as schoolgirls. It really was, wasn't of, it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and committing, like, there was this sort of fake smash and grab committed by some of them have you seen that footage yes but they turn yeah. up at a shop smash the windows nickel of stuff and then they all run off with their hockey sticks over their heads and stuff it's like incredible yeah you know um and and ronald Searle. i mean he i'm sure you you know you might have included this anecdote as well he always said that saint trinian's to him was that you know he was a he was a chef and that once upon a time he made this rather good jam tart. Yes. And that people just keep going on about the jam tart all the all the time and don't <laughs> talk about all the other stuff he's done. Yeah. And so Saint Trinian's actually became 
a little bit of a weight around his neck, something that he wanted to shed and move on from. Yeah. Um, I think we're fortunate that Jeffrey Williams said to him, I've got this Nigel Molesworth character that I did as a, a diary in Punch and we could do a book of that. Yeah. And that, you know, that he said yes, because you could see him probably thinking, oh, I've had enough with naughty school kids and yeah, you know, I want to do other stuff. But fortunately, he did the uh, the Molesworth books, and of course, they were also a huge success. Yeah, and I guess helped him in a way um, have the sort of lifestyle that he wanted. You know, um, to get away from what he'd been through during the war. Yeah, and I guess the, the we, we 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 speak you and I speak about particular comic creators often. And there's very few who have more than that one big iconic character, aren't they? You know, Dave Sims yeah. suddenly strings to mind. You know, he had Cerebus, but has he really ever been successful with anything else? And then probably, you know, he's tried and he hasn't. And then, and that's quite common, I think. But to have these two evergreen, super popular in to the modern, you know, common man, you know, he was incredible, really. You know, a lot of the yeah. a lot of the cartoonists you see in these issues of Punch and and Lilliput and stuff that, and there's you know a good ten of them who are you know brilliant cartoonists. They never hit the big time like he did, but he managed it twice, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, as you say, Saint Trinian still lives on to this day, and Nigel Molesworth. People, you know, even people who haven't actually read the books will still sort of know about the character of Nigel Molesworth. Um, <laughs> you know, and and will say will use expressions like any fool know or whatever yeah um, oh uh, completely yeah whiz yeah. for atoms i say I, I don't know why but that just keeps jumping into my head i think it's on my whiz for atoms is such a great expression <clears throat> you know yeah uh whenever i came back from holiday um i went back to work it always it was always felt like back in the jug again yes know? yeah and it, yeah. it's phrases i never remembered came from him until you very kindly got us to talk about it and i remember remembered oh of course you know, yeah. there's 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 a comic he does about um because he 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 mostly did one one panel illustrations, but he did do the odd comic here and then odd he did a few, um and there's one of, um Molesworth trying to hit a ball, and he manages the to cricket. hit yeah, <laughs> and he hits it up in the air and it lands on his head and all this sort of thing, and I, I mean, even playing cricket, you know, when it, when I play cricket, just crap like that flashes into my head, you know, just they're so imprinted on us, aren't they sometimes. Um, yeah, this stuff it's 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 amazing. But the thing is, like for those that have seen the modern um, um, St. Trillian's movies, they're not like that. There, there, there was almost something slightly seedy about those modern, you know, St. Trillian's movies about sexy girls in school uniforms. Um, but the cartoon. I'm glad you said it first. Tony, <laughs> I don't not, consider them sexy. Yeah, <laughs> but you do know what I mean. Well, yeah, because as you know, I'm the prude of the Never Iron Anything <laughs> Parish, and I've always been slightly concerned yeah, by yeah. the British obsession with sexy schoolgirls and how, when you look at the Saint Trinian cartoons that Ronald Searle did, they're not sexy schoolgirls. No, but, you know he didn't do that. And then when they make the films and they get. Something um, from Girls Aloud or something to do it. You know, it's a bit like that. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, in the modern ones, it's Gemma Arterton and it's um, Tallulah Riley. And in the original, right. there's the 1950s, I think she was called a sweater model, Sabrina. Um, uh, <laughs> the sweater who, uh, model. You know, There's a title yes, for the next tribute book, isn't there? Yeah. Who plays one of the 60, who plays one of the six formers. And you think. And they're all about 30, you know. You know. Yes. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and they weren't like that. They were these sort of 
horrible troll-like kids who were just fucking... They were like... They were the the original Sex Pistols to me. They were just little bastards, weren't they? Just anarchy. They were. They were dumpy little schoolgirls who were up to anarchy. And, um, of course, reading the books about Searle, and you look at some of the illustrations of the girls, particularly there's an illustration, I think, of the girls being forced to uh, to pull the big heavy roller across the hockey pitch. And then there's an illustration that Searle did during the war of prisoners of war, being being, having to do something very similar to sort of level gravel um, on the railway beds or on, you know, where where the tracks were going to go. And you see, oh yeah, he's he's actually bringing some of this stuff out in these tear away schoolgirls. Yeah. It's, um, it's a funny one because um, when he got rid of them at the book release, he dressed as an undertaker. Because he says, right, that's it, that's done. I've had enough of this. Yeah. I'm not having any more yeah. of this nonsense. Moving on. He, like, every yeah. time he walks down the street, it's like Tom Baker, I suppose, walking down the street and saying, everyone say, where's your scarf? You know, it's a yes. bit like that, isn't it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, he very definitely cast off St. Trinian's in 1953 yeah. uh, in his undergrad, in Undertaker's outfit and even did a cartoon of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on a little bit to um, what we see in his art. So let's let's go a bit esoteric, a bit academic, and talk a bit about his art. Now, the um, there, there's so much to talk about here. Um, the the best um, quote comes from Posey Simmons. Have you got it in front of you? Because I know you sent it to me. Um, uh, so Posey Simmons said um, that of Ronald Roll. She said of Ronald Searle's art. Uh, Posey Simmons in the. <laughs> I'll see it again. Yeah, Posey Simmons in the BBC Four documentary by Martin Rowson says of Searle's line, "It's a line that goes for a walk, and then occasionally he sort of tickles it a bit exactly, as well." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I think I wrote down it's a it's a contained chaos in a way. Um, there's an absurd chaos to his stuff, but you soon realise that he knows exactly what he's doing with it. Um, there's it, there's a Hogarth quality to it. I'm going to say, but with a a sort of beautifully beautifully fresh looseness, um, and energy. I don't have you ever managed to sort of encapsulate why you like it at all. I thought Rowson was very interesting in the documentary, talking about the classic smooth line that yeah. British artists or British art schools he replicates were it, doesn't after. he on a bit of paper for us? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does some sort of like illustrations for us, and how Searle says, "No, I'm not doing that. This line is going to vary in thickness. Yeah, um, the ink. I'm going to show the ink. You know, we know, as you say, he drew with pen and ink." Yeah. And he said, I'm going to show the ink. It's going to be there. And at some point, some points, it's going to be very thick. Some points, it's going to be splotchy. Um, I'm going to show the process as I'm doing it. And he could draw anything yeah. and make it <clears throat> compelling, could make it funny, could make it moving. Um, you pointed out, you know, that he has some just like great big blocks of black ink that yeah. represent a character. Yep. leap off the page and then sometimes he's got this straggly line running around things um and with, with a vignette quality to it as well it sometimes just sits in the middle of the page sometimes it leaks out the sides you know yeah um, i the, mean you know some of his illustrations that he did in france of sort of street scenes and so on where yeah. you 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 know that the wall with the graffiti on it is continuing <laughs> beyond the page, you know. Yeah. You can see that moving off the page. There's um, a great, um, there's a great YouTube series. I think it's called 
the sketchbooks or something like that. And I think he's a Canadian dude and he goes through different art and he's got this friend of his over who's I think an Indian artist and they go through it and, and they talk exactly about that. They talk just about the Paris scenes. Um, right. And just the foreground um, characters, the people in the background, the, the line of the buildings are really interesting to me because I don't know, whether it's just an optical illusion or the way I'm looking at it, but there sort of seems to be a slight lean from some of the buildings. He leans them like he leans his characters in a way to to give the buildings a sort of this personality almost. Does that make sense, yeah, I suppose? absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's a sort um, of uneven, inky, scratchy perfection somewhere in it. You know, it's sort of, I don't know, it's just, it's unmistakably him, isn't it, when you look at it? Um, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of illustrations in, um, like spot illustrations in Lilliput, but you know it's immediately. And it yeah, and there's a lot of people who try and be him in Lilliput and don't quite get it, but you can always spot him. Um, yeah, just incredible. Yeah. There's there's a lot of good quotes from um, from from creators about him, the, the, not least of all Rousen himself, who, who obviously idealizes the dude. Um, there's um, Steve Bell said provided an insight, an education, and an escape, which is great. I think that's a great quote. Um, yeah, I love the fact that Matt Groening claims to have been inspired by St. Trinian's. And when Searle heard this, he just sort of sighed with exasperation. Arnie Roth said his characters and settings throb with life. Ralph Steadman said drawing um, drawing was Searle's weapon to, of redress after what he experienced in the PRW camp, I'm guessing. Um, uh, Dowson said he... Uh, Dowson explained how he was the only English cartoonist to have a retrospective at the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris. Um which is, I think, just been. We've just now. We're about to get the second, aren't we? I think you you were talking about. Well, that, weren't you? we believe. Yeah, we we've just seen an announcement from John Freeman, our friend John Freeman, that yeah. Posey Simmons. There's going to be a Posey Simmons retrospective again in Paris, uh, curated by Paul Gravett, and we think it's going to be the second time it's been a British artist. Yeah. And the first one was Ronald Searle, and it sort of seems incredibly appropriate because Posey Simmons is in that documentary we both watched. Yeah which I think we both highly recommend. Posey's great, um, you know. I don't think she gets yeah. enough love in comics. I know she gets the well, love by The Guardian and this sort of thing, but I don't think she gets enough love by the comics crowd. You know, Certainly not in the US, you know. Well, why is her major retrospective in, you know, in Paris and not <laughs> in the know. UK? I know. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. And, of course, you know, here we get to, we sort of, you know, get to 1960s and he moves to Paris and he moves to France. So yeah. does... And he uh, is much appreciated I there. A, and of course, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Just to, on that fact, there, I had a moment with you around that one. I, I, I think what happened is you and I have been reading about Sel for you know for a good few weeks now, and I, and I, I began to hero worship him. I think right. this, this is my, my my psychology ran on this, um, and then I found out that he left his wife and two kids and moved to Paris <laughs> to be an artist. And I, I referred to it as my Peter Sellers moment. Where Peter Sellers yeah. leaves his wife to go and I don't know go because he found an actress he liked or something, wasn't it? And yeah. um, I felt a little bit, a little bit let down by it, and then I had to have a word with myself. I'm like, what the what the fuck are you doing? It's ridiculous, you know. He's a human being, same as everyone else, and it's not the worst thing anyone's done in his life. And he's been through some shit, that dude, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm I had to he, I had to have a word with myself around that. I think yeah, yeah. It comes out in the books that he was, like most people, he was a complicated person yes. with many shades to his personality. He did, and when you say he abandoned his wife and two kids, he did literally abandon them. He just like left uh, a note on the kitchen table yeah. and, and gone. 
um, and went off to Paris and never came back, stayed in, in France for the rest of his life. And one of the things, because there's various clips of him, various interviews with him, the Channel 4 interview with him and so on, which I think was probably from that 2010. I think it was, yeah. It was a year yeah. before he died, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you see him in his studio, and of course you and I just love seeing artists in their studios yeah. and their working environments. And he was, he says this several times in, in various interviews and books, that his fuel was champagne. <laughs> yeah. And there's no two way he hadn't had a few by the time he got to that interview, which I absolutely admire that that was what he was like, you know. Yeah. And then I read about his what he went through in World War Two, and I think, yeah, you get all the champagne. You have as much champagne as you like. You do it, man. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You go to France and live in the country. You live in Paris and then live in Provence, and you fuel on champagne. Because he only moved to Provence, didn't he? Because his wife was ill. To be fair, so yes, he wasn't a man right, without compassion. Don't view him as that. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. And he was with her till the, till the day he died. Um, yeah. yeah, I understand, man. Um, only he wasn't. He, like you say, he was a human being. But there were a couple of other moments. You know, one one in particular uh, that humanised these people for me and and and, and endear them to me. I think Rousen's. Well, after the documentary, Rousen didn't hear back, did he? He says, "Oh God, I haven't heard back." You know, but oh well. You know, never mind. And then he got a letter, didn't he? A few months later. Um, in 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 Searle's amazing handwriting, um, and he says thanking him for it, and he says that's the only piece of Searle art I can afford, but it's framed above my desk. <laughs> and oh, that's brilliant! Right. I love that. Yeah. And 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 the other one, the the big one for me was um, I'm a fan of Gerald Gerald um, of Gerald Scarf. I, I'm guessing you are as well. That's yes. cartooning that he's famous for his big noses in the eyes, but there's more to him than that. Yeah. But, um, and he said he was a bit, he's a bit younger. Um, than Searle and he says every he found out where he lived I think he lived um, just off Hyde Park somewhere and every day he would cycle to his house and just about get the courage to knock on the door or ring the ring the doorbell and not manage it and cycle off again and late in later years he became quite friendly with Searle and invited him to his birthday party and Searle gave him a package and it was the doorbell (laughs) he gave him the doorbell with a note that said always ring my doorbell and I thought what a fucking lovely touch that is how nice yeah. is that? That's the best thing ever. Yeah, we all wish our heroes was, could be like that, you know? We do. And we worked out that was the 14-year-old scarf, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 14-year-old going, trying to pluck up the courage to go and see this great artist that he admired. And, and you know, again, we've exchanged notes about this. Um, Searle, Scarf, and Ralph Steadman, those great British ink, pen and ink, cartoonists um you know just i i see parallels between them the way that they yeah. use line and the way they use the ink and the way that they show the process <clears throat> on the page um you know scarf and steadman perhaps take the exaggeration of characters uh to even further extremes yeah. Than, yeah. than Searle did but yeah what great names you know <laughs> i know what great great artists it, i mean it, this the art blows me away i don't know I was I've been racking my brain to try and think who who have we got now who does that who have we got now who's that sort of fearless on a page and yeah. I I can't think of anyone man I don't think that instinctual I'd love to know whether he went down with pencil first I'm guessing he didn't did he I don't know so he does uh, the, you can find pencil sketches from him can't you yeah quite you a can lot. yeah 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 but most of the stuff seems to be like oh, I'm just going to put the pen on the paper yeah and t- let it take it for a walk yeah, yeah. the end. 
and it is slightly different, but I wasn't I once watched um Brendan McCarthy draw. Um he was sat next right. to me at Bristol and he just put this pen ink you know, this ink pen down and drew drew somebody and I was like, Wow, that's incredible, you know. Um Yeah, we're losing that instinctual bravery on the page, I think might be, aren't we, with the with the whole digital thing going on. Um, not being afraid because there's a lot of smudges and smears in his work, isn't there? You know, purposely yes. not, I guess. But um, the one, the one art piece that, if I had to choose one, you know, we've always got like it's a bit like your podcast. There you go. I'll nick this off you. Yeah, great page. Yeah, if we had to, if we had to find one and, and one that just like absolutely caught me off guard, there's a book from page fifty-seven in the um, the graphic master book. Um, it's called the Obsolete Generation, December nineteen sixty-three. Um, Looks like it's got some pen and ink, but with some some light watercolor work on it, of a couple sitting on a bench. I think they're in an underground station, and there's a darkness and a character, and they're the forgotten generation. But at, at that point, they were probably the generation who fought in World War One and World War Two. You know, forgotten sitting yeah. there poor on this bench, and it's so amazing, just brilliant. Um, I put I put it in as I say, I put it in the uh, the eleven o'clock comic slack, and someone wrote wrote on it. Um, That'll be me in five years. Basically, <laughs> you know, the effect of uh, me just getting old. But yeah, it just blew me away. Is any anything in particular that really came for you, man? Or uh, I mean, the big discovery was his his work from the war, the stuff yeah. that was smuggled, yes. you know, literally yeah. smuggled out, and some of those which are just simple pencil drawings on scraps of old paper um are just breathtaking in what they reveal i mean that's been the big discovery about looking into his life yeah um and the strange parallels that we've we've talked about with other artists that we've considered you know um and then later on the his you know because he did do color work as well and some of these color yeah. pages is that watercolor and ink pages are just astonishing what's that one you sent uh, me today that, that has the sort of orangey red uh, i know that is just it. Yeah, the the crucifixion of a thief from Shanghai yeah. Jail in nineteen forty something or other. Um, see if I can find the page in this book. I've got the biography in front of me, and I'm just oh, okay. flicking through the pages. But yeah, that's just absolutely astonishing page. It should you you look at that and you think, well, he could be, you know, he could be Francis Bacon. He could be yeah. uh, that, that sort of totally who came to artist. mind with me, man. With that, there's that. Yeah twisted nastiness to it that you get with bacon isn't it you know it's just yeah oh wow yeah and he he, like you say though he had this this career where he could do full-on ealing comedy genuinely funny comics um through to these ones we've just mentioned there the ones that just have this huge emotional gut punch on you that and he nails personality every single time. And and I was a kid in the seventies, you know, well, late sixties, early seventies in London. And some of those characters were still about, you'd see people, you know, guys who wrote, worked on the roads, who'd buy a different suit every week. And, you know, and the, the some of the London, he described, I just wish this London book had arrived because I'm really jonesing for it. But some of the sort of London and, and the city places he describes there, just spot on, absolutely spot on. Yeah. Incredibly, yeah. incredibly good. Yeah. Yeah. And every every portrait he does of a person, as you said, they're just stunning. Mm. You know, mm. they're just wonderful work. Um, yeah, absolutely amazing. What an amazing life. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, man. Yeah, I think we've uh, 
we got overexcited on that one again. It's well, like, I've got, you know, I call it the what do I call it the Cold War between you and I. We end yeah. up just doing so much research and getting so excited, you know, that the research builds you, and builds. You know, you can tell when a subject uh, interests and excites the sort of the hosts on Never on Anything because the research starts to go in. The people, you know, sharing doc- documentaries, sharing books, yeah. sharing images, and. Um, you know, I knew he was a great artist. I didn't realise until looking into him more quite how astonishingly good he was, quite how varied his work was, yeah. and quite what an amazing life he had, and how, you know, as I've said already, he sort of deserved that escape to France and all the champagne yeah. Yeah. Um, because of what, you know, what he, he deserved a long and happy life, didn't he? You know, I think. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and thank goodness he did get it. Um, and you know, we talk because you and I have talked about war comics. We look back at World War Two, and you know, England's got this rather funny creation myth about World War Two, yeah. But actually, Tony, the more we look into it, the more just horrendous and awful it seems for everybody, yeah. yeah. You know, just the horror of it all. I think it's partly we uh, grew up on comics where it was come on, you know, shoot them out of your tank, you know, these sort of heroic sergeants. Machine gun nests, yeah. 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 And then, you know, you read about people's experiences. You read about Mizuki's, you know, experience on the other side of the the battle. And then you read about Ronald Searle, no sooner as he arrived at the sort of uh, area of conflict, and he's basically chucked into a jail for four years. Yeah. Where he practically, he almost dies, and people are dying left, right, and centre around him. Um, yeah, absolutely horrendous. And then when he comes back and he studies the displaced people after World War Two, yeah, who fifteen years later are still looking for somewhere to live, it's astonishing. Yeah, really is. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, there's not a massive amount you can find out out of the moment of his. Um, you have to go to eBay, but there's there's loads of stuff very very easily available on eBay. Um, if you go to his website, just Google his name, you'll find it. Um, right. There's not much affordable artwork on there. I think even no. some of the even some of the you've had a look, I guess. Say. Yeah, even some of the prints are like four hundred, five hundred quid on there. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but you can you can find his like I say, go and buy some Lilliputs, go and buy some of the the paperback works, go and buy some punches if you can find the ones he's he's in. Um, and the, see if you can find the exhibition catalogue by Simon Russell. Yeah, Ronald Searle, graphic um, master. Yeah, brilliant. I think I mean that's that's a. That's just a starter pack, isn't it? I think yeah. with some amazing stuff that would, that would keep you happy. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And watch the documentary, which is very good as well. Yeah, Rosen's great on that. Yeah, and he was lovely to speak to about it, showing this pen and talking about how you know how he had communication with him because um, he died, I think, six years before that. Um, right when we when we were chatting to him, and I think he'd got the pens from um, Sel's wife. But yeah, lovely stuff, man. And he'd left he'd left sort of left like a catalogue of his pens with sort of descriptions of what each one did. Yes, that's right. You know, he had a yeah, description yeah. of the line for each one. He'd written down little notes. This one, this is the spidery line. This one's a good thick line. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would... We love all that stuff, don't we? The artist studio and their tools. Yeah, we do. And on the drink and draws, we'll often have pen talk. A section we right. refer to as pen talk, where people talk about the favourite Japanese calligraphy pen they bought recently and all this sort of thing. Yeah, it's just joyous, man. It makes you and I wish we were proper artists, Eamon. Absolutely, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> we yeah, keep trying yeah. one day, maybe. We keep trying, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Brilliant, mate. Excellent. Um, 
like you said at the start there we've got dui3 coming out which you've uh, you've edited and written the forward for um any, anything else you've got going on in your so i know you're a busy man what about invaders you've got much more coming on that one uh, so British Invaders, the podcast about British science fiction television. We're currently covering the Channel 4 series Humans, which is about oh, I found that the, an interesting the one. one. The, the last one. season, you're like, wow. They know that's the last season. They fitted yeah. a lot in there for me, that one. Yeah. Right. I quite like that. Uh, I quite like that. that. And that and the new Survivors version of Survivors they did. I, I like that stuff. when they. I actually, like that. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I like the, the remake of that. Uh, coming up on British Invaders, we'll also have we get we continued our Avengers run through. That's the oh, British Avengers. I'm doing, and a, we get, I'm doing a rewatch of the Avengers at the moment. Oh, great! Well, we get to yeah. the new Avengers with. All uh, um, right. Have you done Nors yet? Is it Nors? Is that the name of it with the giant rat? Oh no, not yet. No. Oh god. Yeah. Um, but new Avengers, of course, is the arrival of Joanna Lumley as Purdy. Yes. Um, and who, the rhyming me, slang man Gareth Hunt. Gareth Hunt, that's right, yes. And for me, uh, of course, that was when the Avengers girl became, like, real to me, as it were. Yeah. As you know, yeah. like, she's on the telly now. I'm watching her now, and I'm the right age. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, this is interesting. Yeah. I, I really, I remember one, because um, I'm a tiny bit younger than you, but I remember one where that there's a car going through the car wash, and they need to preserve, like, a fingerprint on it or something. So Purdy grabs um, Steed's hat jumps on the car and covers it with the hat and she goes through and comes out as if she's literally just come out of the salon like she's been blown dry right <laughs> and i remember even as a kid thinking nah come on like that but she was sort of karate into karate and stuff wasn't she it was a yeah like yeah co-canadian production i'm gonna say or something like that was it uh, there was a french company involved and oh, i think a right. canadian one as well yes that's oh, okay. right because they they wanted to make new avengers stories and so yeah yeah, I think I had an annual, I think, as a kid. Right. Um, yeah. They did, I remember, so that's coming up. Oh, that's good. Quickly then, I was just going to tell you about Nors. So Nors was an absolute money grab for Jaws. Um, and right. it was about a rat that lived in the sewer. Somebody thought it was a snake because they'd just seen the tail. You know, it was like one of those sort of things. And it was about as good as the rat in the sewers in Talons as Wang Chiang. Right. In reality. It was terrible. It really let you down. But okay. I remember being told about it by boys at school and thinking, this is the most amazing thing. And then years later, it came out on VHS, and I went, oh, okay. It's yeah. not that great. Yeah, it's not yeah. that great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember John Steed. I can't remember who uh, Patrick Manese met someone in the lift, like an English actor. And this English actor was out there. It might be Michael Caine or someone like that. And he said, oh, what are you out here filming? And Michael Caine, I'm out here filming, la, 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 you know, this amazing film. What are you doing, Patrick? He says, I'm doing The Avengers. And he says, you're always doing The Avengers, Patrick. Like that, and I think it's pretty much that was what it's like, wasn't it? I think he did he did the Return of the Men for Uncle, didn't he? I think, and that was about it. I think, yeah. And he shows up in one of the Bond movies. One of, the of course he does. Wars, he? Yeah, of course yeah. he does. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. What about um, any other sort of? I know you've always got a little project on the go. Anything you can mention you've got going at the moment, or? Uh, no, I'll get DUI three out and distributed and get it hopefully in everybody's hands soon yeah. i have got another idea on the back burner which i'm going to start looking at in more seriousness next year oh, cool. this year's dui3 yeah. and carrying on with the podcast and occasionally bothering my great friend esmond <laughs> uh the terror of 3b um uh yeah with, you know, madcap ideas we've got some other books that we might get to on this podcast that we sort of there's one that haunts me there's one that haunts me that's massive that i can yes. hold the door open with and it's, i can see it now it's sitting opposite me right um and yeah, i was encouraged right. by because i saw the creator at sbx and i 
I, I wish we'd done it because I could have said, oh, we did a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like a nice introduction while he stares at me weirdly. You know? Yeah. Um, which so I managed to do with Chaken. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Chaken. He was lovely, man. What? A, what? A he's gem. a character. Yeah. 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 I think he's in the get, UK. Get the talking to him about musical theatre, and you'll be. Well, uh, we did. We away. talked about theatre, and I sort of mentioned right. the Globe, and um, we we were just off for about forty minutes talking about Shakespeare and who our favourite yeah. actors were, and all this sort of thing. Marvelous. Yeah. Absolutely marvelous. Yeah. yeah. What a dude. Good stuff, man. So, where can we find you on what are called the socials and online and stuff? Uh, head to megacitybookclub.com uh, find all the episodes there and all the links to British Invaders and everything else or go to duicomic.bigcartel.com to find out details of uh, DUI 3 and DUI 1 and 2 good stuff man and oh, I meant to, meant to mention um, Mr Ennis really enjoys your chats because we were, we were chatting to him at uh, uh, Baltimore Comic Con as well you got a big mention yeah good oh, stuff great, great um, episodes man. my as our mutual friend Conrad says, you know, Conrad's great friend, Garth Ennis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard from him for a while. I must message Conrad. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Nice one. Good stuff, man. Good. And um, we'll speak soon. Thank you, Tony. Mm-hmm.